Hey everybody, Jimmy Warren. Welcome to Guitar Talk here at guitartalkofficial.com. We've got a great show in store for you. Before we get going, make sure that you're following me on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all those other glorious places because, you know, we try to put out a lot of cool content and a lot of cool information. And so, do yourself a favor and follow us. And also subscribe to our website at guitartalkofficial.com so that you get updates of what's going on in our monthly uh, newsletter. Okay, so uh, today I've got a great new band. Uh, they're not new-new, but they haven't been around, you know, for decades. Uh, I really enjoy this band a lot. The band's called L.A. Maybe. We're talking to guitarist Dallas Dwight. And I got to tell you, man, uh, this band is really cool. Now, you know, when the publicists and the labels, they send me information on bands and that, they'll always say, well, these guys sound like, you know, this band. You know, like, for instance, they said L.A. maybe sounds like Guns N' Roses and ACDC and, you know, a few other bands. And they do. They sound similar to that. But I can tell you, they've got their own sound. They're their own band for sure. But... They fall deep into that category of new classic rock. That's for sure. They're a great band. And so uh, do yourself a favor. Sit down, put your feet up, get a nice cool beverage, and enjoy this conversation with Dallas Dwight, the guitarist for L.A. Maybe, right here on Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren. I'm getting you turned on here. Now I should be able to hear you. All right. There we go. How's it going? How's it going, man? How you doing? <coughs> doing good. Doing good. You yeah. living in a hotel room right now? No, this is my studio. This is the oh. LA maybe uh, headquarters. <laughs> okay. I just saw the mini fridge in the microwave, and so, you know, I just kind of. Yeah, I do kind of live here, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's, you got to. Yep. You got yep. you got to in the beginning. I mean, that's Ooh. what it's all about. Well, I, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to meet you and to learn more about your band because it was definitely under my radar, but I'm glad it's not now. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah, so how did you discover us? I, actually, it was through Tom George. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, a lot of the publicists and labels and stuff will send me press releases for bands and stuff. Right. I tried to get a lot of people on that, you know, aren't household names that are trying to become household names so that people will discover who they are like me, you know, so. Very cool. Yeah. So I got to ask you a question. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in like the, uh, the press material and your website and this stuff says that you guys are a part of the new wave of classic rock. Yeah, for sure. Can you explain that to me? I'm, Cause I'm an old classic rock guy. So. Yeah, it's a movement. I mean, I guess Greta Van Fleet kind of started it, but there's tons of bands coming out now that kind of sound old school and classic, you know, mm -hmm. but they're all new. So it's kind of the new wave of classic rock. So that term was coined by, um, I think, Jeremy Wills in the UK. He has a Facebook group called the New Wave of Classic Rock that he started uh, to showcase all these bands. It's got like 30,000 members now. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of turned into quite the little movement, but I liked the way he worded that. So we just kind of went with that because it pretty much describes our sound i think right right well you guys got it you guys definitely got a, a classic rock kind of mm -hmm. sound to yourself of course in that and uh, one of the things that i i personally dislike that people do and i'm not talking about bands mm -hmm. uh, this is mostly the the labels in the industry and people like that they like to put 
people in a category. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? They like to say, okay, this band sounds like this, or this band sounds like that. You guys have been, you know, put in that category as a band that sounds like ACDC or or Skid Row or something like that. I mean, how do you feel about being put? I mean, those are great iconic bands. Yeah, how yeah. Do you feel, how do you feel about being placed in there as opposed to people just realizing that, you know, it's just L.A. maybe? Yeah, I mean, that'll, that'll probably come much later. Uh, I think people categorize stuff because they, they have to put it in a box in their head where they can understand it. And that's not me being pretentious saying we're not able to be understood. That's that's ridiculous. I think the most of those comparisons are spot on, and I'm happy to uh, happy to take those. The analogy I always use is uh, it'd be like if I told you you played basketball like Michael Jordan. Yeah. It's like you'd be like, cool, yeah, thanks, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd know yeah. you're lying. <laughs> I'll, I'll, take, I'll take that. That's good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because some people will say like, "Oh, they just sound like ACDC. It's like, "Yeah, thanks. That sounds great." Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a similarity there. I mean, your 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 vocalist, you know, is is pretty similar, you know, in in, yeah, in some in some ways for sure. Yeah, I yeah, think in the, the tone the of his voice. The similarities stop pretty quick as you get yeah. through the album though, you know, maybe within a minute you're like, oh, "Okay, this isn't as, as ACDC as I thought," you know. Like, right. Well, one of the things that I like about some of the newer bands and and I've always been a fan of what I would consider riff-based yeah, same. tunes, you know what I mean? And you guys seem to, I mean, that's something that's throughout, which I really dig. Yeah, I mean, the new stuff, we've just been, I was moving recently at home, so I, I went like a week without playing guitar or something like that. And um, I, because uh, I didn't teach lessons or anything, usually I'll, even if I'm not playing outside, I'll, I'll, in lessons, I'll have a guitar in my hand. I'll be able to, you know, play a little lick or something. I didn't even have that. So I had a full, like, week to 10 days without playing guitar. And then went over to Dre's, our other guitar player's house, and we were doing the podcast. And after the podcast, I grabbed his guitar while he was doing some editing and stuff and just immediately cranked out, like, five riffs for the new album. <laughs> so it, just, it just starts flowing, you know, after you kind of step away from it. So. Yeah. And we did that again last night, another like five riffs. So we're just like riffs are just kind of flowing right now. We have too many. We have to kind of go back. I have a voice, my voice memo library, which is my riff library. I think it's like 350 something long at this point. So and wow. every, every one of those could potentially be the seed for a song. So we have to kind of go through there and whittle it down and figure out what can work. And, oh, this one goes with this one and, you know, stuff like that. So right. we'll, uh, we'll see. But we have uh, we're well underway with the new album. I think we're over halfway done. And um, the first single for that's going to be coming out really soon. Wow, cool, cool, cool. So do you do you have an idea when the album will? It'll be next year, correct? Next year for sure. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to be releasing pretty much every song as a single first. Yeah, that's kind of how um, you play the game of you know Spotify and Apple Music and algorithms and all that. You kind of just keep feeding the machine music every four to six weeks instead of you know ten songs every two years. If you can write a ten song album and then just you know leak it out a little bit at a time and then drop the big compilation at the end then you've you've done yourself a great service from a new music industry standpoint yeah yeah it, it seems like the common theme nowadays is that you record a single and then you do a, a pre-teaser video then you do the video and then you do a word video a lyric video and then yeah, you go on to the next single yeah anything to kind of stay in front of the in front of the people yeah because there's just so many places yeah. for someone's attention to go there's and this this is uh so true let me let me see let me pull up my music here um yeah red hot chili peppers mammoth wvh two bands i love 
Yeah. Both dropped new music. Red Hot Chili Peppers is one of the biggest bands in the world. Just dropped new music and have a new album coming out. I had no idea. Yeah. That's how many places our attention can go. That we can yeah. miss the Red Hot Chili Peppers new album. No oh, idea. Yeah. It's already available for pre-order. I had no, no clue. It's not yeah. out yet. So I didn't totally miss the boat. But... I mean, you can get caught up with even bands you love and would love to hear their new music. You can miss it. Right. And that's right. not, it's, it's just because there's so many other things. And that's why you want to get in that algorithm. So you have brand, you know, brands like Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube, the biggest, you know, tastemakers in the world are pushing your stuff to the people that want to hear it. So they're kind of, your advertising is kind of getting done for you via the al- algorithm. And you have to kind of capitalize on that nowadays. So that's the game we're, we're trying to get better at playing. We haven't been so good so far, but... Yeah, I mean, we had our uh, Dirty Damn Tricks came out March 26th, 2021, and then the Deluxe Edition just came out in August, so that was a year and a half, you know. And the Deluxe Edition was a way for us to just kind of punt while we keep working on this new thing, you know. So we didn't want it to get too long before we released new music. We had the idea for acoustic versions and scaling back and then, you know, sneakily releasing a new one in there on the end and kind of seeing how people reacted and stuff. And it's been really cool so far. We're really happy with it, but we know it's kind of like an album and a half, you know, it's not like new stuff. It's like, you know, right. It's our version of just, like I said, punting and let's, let's keep the game going for a second and give people something while we, you know, continue right. to work on the, on the big new thing. Right. But at the, but that, on the other hand too, you know, it, it gives you another piece of merchandise to sell at live shows, which yeah. is, you know, which is one of those areas where, you know, guys on the road, that's, you know, you need that, you know, you yeah, got we, we want, yeah, for sure. We want, we want, um, it's not, it's not all about us. You know, we want to give people what they want, music, yeah. music and, and cool merch and all this stuff. We want all that to be given to them and, and for to us to give value to people, you know, yeah. a lot of bands, I think kind of, kind of come at it, especially new young bands come at it as like the take, 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 donate to my Kickstarter, buy my merch, buy my album, stream my album. It's like, that's too much, dude. What are you giving them? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. how, like, why, why would I do that? I'm not, I don't, you know, no offense. I don't care about you. I, I have my own problems, my own. <laughs> like, I, I'm not, I'm not joining your cause. You know what I mean? You have to provide value to me. Yeah. You know, you don't go to, you don't go to Walmart and just start, taking stuff you know yeah they, they give you something you give them something it's always going to be a trade-off in right. any business or anything and bands are just businesses anyway so right well let's talk about you, you a couple of things that that you just mentioned one is let's go back to the riff mm-hmm. you know the recording of the riffs and stuff i'm, I'm curious how the process songwriting process is does the whole band collaborate is there just one or two of you that write all the songs do you just take those riffs and build off of those riffs or what's that process like for you guys? It, it varies a little bit from song to song. Rare, very rarely, I would say almost never have we written as a group. Um, usually it starts with a seed for me or even a full song for me and I'll kind of pass it off to the guys and we'll, we'll get opinions and feedback and kind of adjust and mold from there. Um, and then sometimes the full song is pretty much done. Like when I'm gone, like that whole song was pretty much done. And it was just like, all right, cool. This one's good. Let's just learn it and, and go, you know? And that's been the case with a couple of them. But most of the time it kind of starts, starts somewhere a seed in my head or, or a seed in Driz's head or something. And we kind of collaborate from there. So for the new album, it's, it's a little bit more collaborative. Driz and I are kind of working more together. He came onto the project a little after a lot of the songs for the first album were already done. So we didn't have too much collaboration there. Uh, the one we did collaborate the most on me and him is, is probably a 50-50 split would be up next to you, the last track on the album. And uh, literally a 50-50 split, that first guitar riff in the song, that kind of crazy riff. Yeah. He, had, he had written the first half of that riff 
and then he had just had that repeating. And yeah. I was like, oh, what you should do is have like an answer to it. Do 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 do. So he literally <laughs> wrote the first half, and I wrote the second half, and we put them together. Yeah. So we had um, uh, but most of the time, yeah, it's starting with a seed in my head, or I'll have a chorus like "Oh Sugar." Oh, the "Oh Sugar" chorus yeah. was one of the first things I had, and the verses were one of the last things I had. That whole song was bookended, you know. The yeah. Process. And yeah. Um, yeah, we we do all of our own production, so we're in we're in here or, or our own homes and. Uh, you know, our bass player lives a little bit further away, so he'll hop on a Zoom call and record his bass in his studio while I'm there kind of producing. I kind of helm helm the ship, I guess you could say. I kind of act as a as a producer. I'm, I'm present for all the sessions, and my opinion is um, uh, always up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know me. But, uh, yeah, we have a really good time, man. We're really proud of the fact that we self-produce our stuff, and, and we put it up next to, to pretty much anything new coming out, you know. Right, right. Now, are you guys, this I don't know, are you guys on a label? Or are you? Are uh, you we're, full, we're fully independent. Yeah. Do you want to stay independent? Is that the is that the goal? Yeah, I don't know. The The goal is not to be independent or on a label. The goal is just to proceed forward. So whatever, if, if a good deal comes around, which at our size is unlikely, uh, then we'll take a good deal. But yeah, it's it's just unlikely that we see a, a good deal at this point. We've had some offers, but we haven't haven't looked into them too heavily. Right. I, I, I don't, and we don't want... Um, the extra opinions more than anything. <laughs> I, I don't yeah. need someone. I don't need someone being like, "There's no, there's no single here. There's no hook." It's like, no, no, we got the hook. Like, let us do our thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't want that at all. And the ownership of the songs is a big sticking point, and that's kind of the main thing of a label. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for now we're independent, and uh, and we'll see. You know how long we can ride that train, or if we need professional help, we probably do, but we'll see. <laughs> it may not be in music. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, another thing that that we touched on in that that going back and forth there for a minute was the noise uh, when it comes to the uh, you know what's available on Spotify and all that other kind of stuff. Right. And that I, you know, I'd love to get your opinion on on how you feel about that because look, at, I, I I'm pro anybody with a laptop that can be creative and make music and present right. it to the world. I think they should be able to do that, but at the same time, it helps clog up the system to the point to where it is really difficult to find stuff or to discover stuff because there is just an overload of uh, stuff coming out all the time. I mean, anybody, anybody like, you know, anybody can put anything on Spotify. So, you know, as, as an artist trying to, you know, make a career out of this, as opposed to the guy who's really not, you know, he's just wants to make some music and put it out there. I mean, do you think that there should be some sort of guidelines within the industry for that? Or do you think that the, you know, the ability for that, that, you know, free range kind of mindset is the way to go? Yeah, I think I think the latter for sure. Uh, we've we've essentially removed gatekeepers, which is awesome. I think we've removed some body in a suit being able to tell us like that's not good enough. It's like, well, you don't know, man. Like, right, right. <laughs> you don't know anything. You just you somehow you know fell backwards into this job. You don't you don't know. You don't decide the taste for everyone. But they did. They did decide the taste for everyone. Yeah. They decided what we heard and what we didn't. There's probably a ton of amazing bands. We just didn't hear because somebody at a label was like, nah. And it's like, you know, we have no idea what we missed. And I'm talking like during the days of Cream and Deep Purple and Zeppelin as we're moving up, there were probably a bunch of other great bands that didn't really make it because oh, somebody yeah. deemed it so, you know. And uh, now those that's gone because I can just upload straight to Spotify. I can go for a few bucks on CD Baby and put my album out to the entire world, TikTok, everywhere. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's no gatekeepers anymore. And yeah, that means some people are going to be uploading some stuff that maybe doesn't have, you know, professional quality standard to it. Some of those people do great. But I think also it just kind of comes back to the, the cream rises to the top. You know, it, if, if it's truly terrible, it just kind of gets buried. It's not going to be on your radar anyway. Yeah. We, we tend to think like, oh, there's, you know, however many millions of songs uploaded to Spotify every single day. It's like that seems so overwhelming. It's probably 0.0001% that we ever even hear, you know, yeah. because yeah. it's just you're flooding it with mostly not good stuff. And that stuff is just it just gets pushed to the bottom. That's fine. That's what the algorithm is designed to do. So I don't know that there's a bunch of terrible new, you know, unprofessional stuff that is, it doesn't come across my desk. I only hear pretty much good stuff comes across my thing. So right uh, from, from new bands and stuff. I just I only hear really good new music most of the time. I can't I actually can't think of the last time. The last time I heard something truly terrible, it was sent to me directly. It wasn't on Spotify or something. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, other than that, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's good this way. We, we've splintered the industry. I don't think there'll be another, you know, ACDC or uh, Rolling Stones or any band that big that kind of is the band because there's just too many bands now. Yeah. So kind of, we've kind of splintered. It's like, yeah, of course, you're one of the most famous bands of all time when there were six bands. Like, You know right. what I mean? Now there's 60 million bands. It's like, yeah, you're not going to, you know, it's just kind of like the attention is too, too splintered. There's too many subgenres. There's too many options for people. Yeah. But that's good too, because you can approach it the old school way, which is kind of the, the thought of famine, which is like, oh, you know, if you like Dirty Honey, then you can't like the LA maybe. It's, that's not how that works. Like it's, it's, it's a, it should be a mindset of prosperity. Like if Dirty Honey and Greta Van Fleet make it big, well, that's good for me. That means more people are paying attention to rock music, and here I am being a rock band. So that's great for me. Go, go them. Like you know, let's let's, right. keep going. let's all go together. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of what we've been we've been thinking because rock and roll and, and metal, it really is or has been. I don't think it's so much this way anymore. It kind of has been a famine mentality and a competitive mentality, and like you know, I'm I hate that band, and I'm I'm love this band. It's like they're the same fucking band, dude. Like <laughs> you know, yeah. they sound the exact same. <laughs> Right. So it's kind of like it doesn't need to be that way. We all we all need to kind of be in it together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I think you got a good perspective on that, you know, and I know a lot of those guys because I talk to a lot of the the legendary, you know, players and stuff. And yep. a lot of those guys would say, you know, if we were coming up today, there's no way we would be as big as we are. You Absolutely know, now. no way. Yeah. You Absolutely know? no way. Because like I said, when you're one of the six bands, there's yeah. only six bands. Like you're you're gonna be big almost by default. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course I'm exaggerating, but now there's there's six bands in in this building I'm in. Like <laughs> right, right. Like it's like there, there's just it's it's such a different landscape now. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's it's hopeless. It's just the game has the game is different, and we're in that we're in that period where the old heads and the new heads are, are clashing somewhat because the old heads are having trouble adjusting somewhat to the new game, but some aren't. So it's just kind of a, it's just kind of an evolution that we're, we're in the middle of it right now. So it's, I think it's kind of hard to see for a lot of people, but, and who knows where it goes. Right. Say, but, but we'll see. Right. Well, you know, uh, uh, as a guitar player though, let's switch gears and let's talk about you course, as a yeah. guitar player in that um you know do you have formal training uh you know did you go to you know berkeley or any place like that or are you completely self-taught or no it's kind of a, a little bit in between i can't say i'm completely self-taught because um, i did technically take guitar lessons but i i don't really know how valuable those were for me 
Yeah. I had a few teachers where well, I don't even think we played guitar. We just sat there and talked. But in a way, I think <laughs> in a way, I think that might have been more valuable because they were telling me like, oh, Jimi Hendrix. And I'm like, who? And they're like, dude. Like, yeah. You know, and like, so it was it was valuable in that way. And then I'd go home and do all the work. But they were kind of, you know, downloading their brains into mine and stuff. And then I think my very, very, very first guitar teacher, he probably helped me with just a little platform. You know, here's some chords. Here's this. Here's that. And then he wanted me to get into like classical stuff. I didn't want anything to do with that. I kept bringing him Guns N' Roses songs, being like, how do I play that? <laughs> yeah. And so that didn't last very long. But I was, um, more than anything, I was just like hyper aggressive with it. I was just always playing and didn't want to do anything else. And um, kind of just took over my life and stuff. So I kind of attacked it from that, uh, that standpoint. And yeah, still do, I guess in different ways, because I don't, you know, play as much. I play a lot, but I don't practice as much. And because um, I'm too busy doing all this other stuff that comes with being in a band now, but <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's it's a whole. Uh, you have to you have to kind of do the jobs of ten men. At, you know, being in a band, you have to be the social media guy and the tour manager yeah. and the hotel booker and the travel agent and the <laughs> oh yeah, the, the van repairman and like you're just kind of like what? Like when do I get to write the songs? Like <laughs> right, right, right. I, I I completely get that. You know, I've been touring since '88. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've played with some nationals and stuff, you know, yeah. but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a never ending job, you know, yeah, never ending job, trying to, trying to get out there and get people, especially nowadays, once again, you go back to how much is available, you know, trying to stand out so that people under, you know, do know who you are, that they, you yeah. know, do know that you're coming to town and, and stuff people don't realize you know when you go do a tour and that you know you got to do publicity in each one of those cities you go to yeah. because if you don't nobody who's going to know you're there unless they're already following you yeah you know what i mean so I, I i get it it's it's a lot of hard work but you know what let me give you a a, a little bit of advice something that nice. something that you really should do and i don't know how you're going to do it but you really need to find that time to carve out for you as a player you know what I mean? Investing yourself as a player, you know, because, uh, you know, the, when, when you, when you look at the guys like Andy Timmons and Paul Gilbert and people like that, I mean, those people have invested, you know, decades of that self, you know, uh, that, that self time, that me time. And you really yeah, need sure. that. You really yeah. need that. And that, because there's going to come a day if you don't, there's going to come a day where you're going to feel like nothing's fresh no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And stuff. So, uh, you know, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing I'm taking it that it isn't just the music. You love the guitar. Do you love to play oh, the guitar? Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what it's all about. And so you got to invest in yourself like that. You know, there's guys like with Randy Rhodes took lessons every place he went. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Well, and you would think, well, could you imagine getting that phone call? No. <laughs> I'm in town. Can you give me a lesson? It's like, fuck, man. Why don't yeah. you get me one? Yeah, I love that mentality, though. Because <laughs> he's, he's right in the fact that even if you just learn one little kernel, yeah. that, that extrapolates out into a whole thing. Yeah. And the cool thing is, is that all those great players that I mentioned, all of them have somewhere online where you can learn something from them. You know, yeah. Paul Gilbert's got it. You know, they got True Fire and JTC and all that other kind of stuff, man. Oh, yeah. You know, or you can take lessons from Carl Verhan or whoever. And uh, there's a lot Ray of cow, Andy James. Yeah, they all do it. You name it. Yeah, it's 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 really cool. So, uh, 
I mean, that's something you definitely want to do. So, so when it comes to as a player and that, I mean, what's your guitar of choice? I mean, are you one of these guys either in the Gibson or Fender camp or? Yeah, I mean, for, uh, for the studio, it's kind of whatever whatever I need that fits what I need to do in that moment. But um, like, I have a Strat sitting next to me that's kind of I just just got it actually traded something for it. It ended up being a really nice guitar. So I've been doing that for a lot of studio stuff, but uh, for the LA, maybe it's yeah, it's it's a Gibson Les Paul all day. That kind of does the rock stuff that I need. It's it's my go-to. I have a handful of them, and um, yeah, it's it's definitely my. It feels like home for me for sure. Yeah, I'll play no, on anything, but like if if it's if it's rock and roll we're doing and, and we're on stage and I, I want to look, you know, the way I want to look, it's it's definitely a Gibson Les Paul for sure. There's there's no no substitutes for me. Yeah, are you going into a Marshall? Um, it depends for, uh, for the studio. Yeah. We're going into Marshall's most of the time. Um, and then live we're using the neural DSP quad cortexes and we've, uh, captured our, our amps from the studio and we play those live. So yeah, I guess you could say we're going through Marshall's all the time. Right. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's an iconic sound, you know? Yeah, for sure. Is it, we've uh, we've had some funny encounters with that too. We played a gig with uh, faster pussycat and LA guns and they had all their amps across the back of the stage. Right. And we're opening up. So we just set up in front of them. And we have our quad cortexes at our feet. So yeah. at first glance, it looks like we're playing all these amps behind us, right? We're not at all. We're playing our yeah. quad cortexes. Yeah. Somebody, I don't even think they were on. Somebody uh, comes up after and goes, man, your amps sound incredible, man. It's so good to see <laughs> young bands playing real amps. And we were just like, yeah, man, thanks. Like, <laughs> and, that, and that was all the proof we needed right there that, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, right. It doesn't matter. People like to think amps mean more than mod. It doesn't matter. No one cares. No one can tell. Like, <laughs> right. Well, you know, you go see a lot of bands today, and there's no amps on stage. You go yeah. see White Snake or Foreigner or, you know, some of them rock bands and it. They don't have nothing on stage. Yeah, and that's bands, back problems. Right. <laughs> and, and a lot of the bands have gone to either using, you know, like what you're using or a Fractal or a Kemper. Or, There's so, yeah, my, my Kemper's next to me. It's been kind of retired to the studio since I got the quad. I still yeah. use it for all the studio stuff. I just use the quad for the road because it's such yeah. a small footprint. Right. The quad, the quad for us is like we, we travel a lot. Uh, we don't want to be hauling that stuff. It's more stuff to get broken, more stuff to get stolen, more stuff to go wrong, more cables, tubes, stuff to be replaced. We don't need any of that. Um, you know, mics, we have to have all this extra gear just to use an amp that at the end of the day doesn't end up sounding as good because of all these other variables and um, uh, in the live environment, at least. So uh, and then we're, we're flying overseas. We were we did a May uh, UK and European run and we're going back in December. And it's like, so what are we going to do at that point? Am I going to bring my my hundred pound head? Like, no, it's not, it's not getting over there. So what am I going to do if I'm used to amps and I'm, and I'm playing that game? I have to go use whatever they give me. That's right. not good. With right. our quad, I, I show up with a backpack and a guitar, and I sound just as huge as someone with, with three double stacks. Like, it doesn't matter. So and, and it's the exact tone that I need, the exact set of tones. I mean, on my little layout for live, I'm using multiple amps, multiple things. If we were going to just copy the exact thing I'm using for live, it will be a stupid rig. It would look like Joe Bonamassa. Like yeah. seven amps and like a pedal board the size of my desk. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I'm not doing any of that, man. No. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do this and we'll show up and we'll set up in four minutes and, you know, sound check in the next four and we're done. And the sound guys are looking at us like, Jesus, is that it? We done? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it's that easy. Yeah. So, That's beautiful. You know, I've always, uh, I've always used, you know, tube amps. I, I, you know, old school guys, you know, they want to feel that air pressing on the back of their, their legs, you know, as they're playing. But I bought a uh, a quilter uh, to use as a backup in case my head went down. Yeah. 
and that on a tour and I was using the quilter for, uh, for rehearsals, you know, in that with, with my band. And I discovered that that little tiny three pound quilter sounded just, I mean, sounded just as good as my $5,000 hundred watt tube amp, yep. you know? And so I did the same thing. I took my pedal board and I put two quilters on it. You know, I, so they're on the pedal board. So wherever I go, I just, I can run it right straight into the front of the house and yeah. don't have to deal with amps. Or I'll take, you see, I got a little red amp back there, a little Walter. Yeah. It's a 310 cabinet, the most amazing cabinet I've ever played through in my life. And that's it only awesome. weighs 22 pounds. Yeah, that's great. You uh, know, my favorite, my favorite thing is when we show up and the sound guy's like, all right, what do we got? And they see our little quads and they just have this huge look of relief. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a good show. And then the sound guy's immediately on your side. Once that happens, you're good to go. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So are you in a, are you a pedal guy? Not you know, man. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a huge gear guy, to be honest. So anytime I get, uh, Driz and I, my other guitar player, we're kind of opposites in that way. He's the gear guy. He's, he's tweaking the tones and listening for all these things that I'm just focusing on the riff. Like that's cool riff. And he's like, that's cool tone. And I'm like, we're just two different, <laughs> two totally different players. Like I don't, I don't even care. Just like, if it sounds good and feels good, I'm going to start writing and start playing right away. And yeah. I, don't, I don't need to tweak a knob. Like, I don't care. I just, if it feels right, good. I mean, I, I understand, you know, all of it pretty much, but right. it just doesn't do anything for me to sit there and, and scroll through reverb, looking for another pedal to buy. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just, all I see is like further complications and patch cables and stuff. And I'm just like, ah, I'm out. Like, like give, me something good. give me something good. Like, like my Kemper runs straight into Pro Tools here at, at all times. And I'll just start recording right now with, with a bunch of great tones I don't need. And that's for demos and stuff. Live, we'll pull out the amps and do the whole thing. But, or I mean, uh, when it's time to record the right. real stuff, not, not on stage, but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, not, not so much for me. I'm not the biggest gearhead. Um, it just doesn't, I, I love guitars and gear and stuff like not as much as the next guy, but enough, I guess, but it just doesn't do anything for me at least as much as it used to. Uh, I guess I've kind of not, not as into it as I used to be, but, uh, the, the playing and stuff, that's kind of where, where I like to be Yeah, the writing and the creating, you know, that's kind of where I live Yeah, more so than like, you know, boss versus, you know, THC or whatever. Right. Well, you know, most of the, a lot, a lot of the iconic players, the people that have influenced guys like you and me over the years are, are old school, you know, guitar to the amp and that's it, you know, and uh, with the understanding that a, a lot of what comes out of all of that is really based on you as a player. You know, I mean, those other things are all enhancements. I'm a pedal guy. I admit it. Even though my board today only has three pedals on it, I've had boards that have had, you know, 18 pedals on it, you know, but uh, I love pedals. I could, I could fuck around with pedals all day long. You know, I'm like a little kid with building blocks when it comes yeah, to that yeah. shit, you know, yeah. but, uh, but I get it. And, and there's something magical about that. The guys that can do that because, uh, you know, although I get it, I'm not that guy personally. I wish I could be. Yeah. You know? I, I, one of my one of my favorite memories, I was a young player. I was probably 18 or so. I was filling in with a band and we played this big festival thing and there's a bunch of different bands playing. And, and the drummer for another band came up to me after. He was like, dude, what's your rig? What pedals are you using? And he, I was like, I'm not using any pedals. He was like, what? And he, was like, <laughs> he was like, how are you doing all that stuff? I was like. 
I don't, I don't know. I'm just playing. Like I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I didn't even change patches. I just rolled my volume the whole night. <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't have anything. And it was just, and I love that. Cause then as soon as I realize I'm back on my mind, absolutely nothing's going to go wrong with my stuff. Yeah. I'm free. I'm free to have fun and play and interact with the crowd, do all the important stuff. Cause I'm not worried about like, geez, I, I hope this MIDI rig I just built with all these patch cables and the pedals sitting in the back and I have this MIDI floorboard in front of me. I hope all this works. Never does. So it's like, yeah. yeah. You know, something goes wrong during sound check. I had a huge rig, rack rig, John Petrucci inspired, the, all the pedals in a drawer, everything wired all nice, MIDI to the front of the stage, the whole thing. And uh, and every time sound check, something would go wrong, and I'd be like, fuck it. I'd pull it, and I'd plug straight into the amp and play the show, and no one would care. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking, you know, enough of those. I start thinking, why am I doing this? Right. If I, if I don't need it, why am I doing it? Yeah, that makes like, sense. Ah, whatever, I'll, I'll do it this way and, and hasn't really had any effect. And then you have things like the quad and the Kemper come out. This was, that was like 2014. The Kemper had just come out in 2014. The Axe Effects had been around for a little while. Yeah. But where I was at the time, you know, young college kid, they were priced way out of my range. Couldn't get any. The Kemper, I was able to get on like a, like American Musical Supply pay as you go kind of plan. And I was, I had the Kemper really early on. It had not been out very long. And this is the same one sitting next to me. It's old and slow now. But yeah, this thing's going on 10 years old still use it all the time. And, and the Kemper ended up blowing up into this big, you know, all the rage kind of thing, but I had it way before that. And um, realized you could do all this stuff, all the stuff I was doing with all these cables and everything going wrong, just right here in the box. Like, yeah. <laughs> ended up sounding just as good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm definitely going to do this. And then with the, I have the rack one here. So I had to get the floorboard. Now I have this big cable running right behind me. And if you've ever seen us live or any videos of us live, you know that if a cable's behind me, it's going to get, it's going to get trampled, kicked on, and all kinds of stuff. So that's no good. So then we moved to the quad, which everything's at the front of the stage. There's nothing behind me. Now, right. I'm, free to, now I'm free to have fun. Right. So, so it's kind of, uh, it was to me, it was more about minimizing every possible thing. Let's get to the lowest common denominator. Let's use the 80-20 rule. Let's do the thing that's going to get us 80% of the results with 20% of the effort. And, uh, and not worry about that last 20%. And we'll use that extra brain power because now we've saved 80% of brain power. We'll use that for... Uh, performance and playing playing good and entertaining and, and doing the things that matter more so than you know getting our chorus pedal to set right you know right right well that all makes sense and it, like i said it's good to, it's good to you know here's new guys coming up you know using the old school you know way of doing things and that yeah. and getting a, getting away from all that a lot of the old rockers are doing the same thing my good friend joel uh, hookster from white snake he uses he uses a head he uses an ingle head uh no a friedman head and that's it you yeah, know I, yeah I, I love joel he said he described i asked him why he uses less pauls and he he said that because i couldn't really put a finger on why i like him so much and he said uh something that always sticks with me he said he likes a guitar that fights back a little bit yeah and I was like and i was like that's why i don't <laughs> like ibanez they're just like playing butter it's yeah, so yeah. smooth and easy the yeah. neck's so thin it's like I need like a bat. I need something like I have big, strong hands. I need something. I play, you know, thick strings. I need, I need something that's going to like fight me a little bit so I can really get after it as opposed to just, you know, everything's right. just like, like, okay. All right. Yeah. We've, right. That's good. <laughs> I had yeah. some Ibanez S series for a while. I was like playing a piece of paper. They're so thin. They're so like light. I need a big, heavy guitar. That's, that's way in my shoulder. Like I need all that. Wow. Yeah, no. When you get older, you're you're gonna want something light. <laughs> uh, not me. I'll just I'll just take all the pain. <laughs> so so one last thing here. You know, we've been talking about your guitar. I want to get back to the band for just a second and just 
you know, uh, for, for people that might be tuning in in that that aren't familiar with uh, the band L.A. Maybe, how would how would you personally, we know how the industry describes you, but how would you personally, you know, describe yourself, you know, to people that aren't aren't familiar? Yeah, we, we try to the way we try to do it that was explained to us is is it harkens back to our, our first uh, comment together was the, the comparisons. I think people need that comparison to kind of pique their interest, right? So we pick three bands that we think we sound like and we just list them out. So right now it's been a few different things, but it's always been the first two were Guns N' Roses and ACDC. So we say four fans of Guns N' Roses, ACDC, and then the third one we've cycled between Van Halen and the Black Crows, which is kind of funny because they're so different. But yeah. we kind of go into both of those territories. So, uh, you know, those four bands, I say, you know, some sort of, if you put them on a Venn diagram, we're kind of the overlapping middle point of, Bits of this, bits of that, bits of this, bits of that. And then there's healthy amounts of, uh, of prints in there that's real sneaky. A lot of funk-type rhythms that are kind of tucked away, just beefing stuff up that you might not realize at first. There's big doses of journey that I think are pretty obvious because we have huge vocal stack harmonies. There's five of us in the band. We all sing. So we can stand around a mic and sing harmonies like they did on Elton John's Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, you know, the old school way where it's just us yeah. and a mic. There's not, you know, a bunch of uh, stacks and stuff like that. We do that too. Because uh, we love utilizing technology and, and modern production techniques to kind of add a little modern sound to our otherwise very classic sound. And uh, we kind of put all this together and it, and it comes out being us. But but most of all, we just want to write stuff that we kind of sit back and we're like, yeah, that's good. That's that's a cool riff. That's a good vocal line. I'm singing this chorus in the shower two days later. You know, these these are things, these are boxes we want to tick. And once we feel like we've ticked those boxes and we have some a good batch of songs, we, we release them. So... Um, we're, we're pretty uh, critical on that. We try to try to always put our best foot forward, which has slowed us down. So we got to pick up the pace maybe a little bit, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I enjoy the band, you know, I'm glad that it came across my desk because now I've got a, uh, a new band that I've added to my playlist that I yeah. listen to and stuff. Uh, I, I think you guys are going to go a long way. I really do. We're going to be around a long time and uh, just keep plugging away. And yeah, man, you know, and, yeah, and hopefully you. when your new album comes out down the road next year or something like that, you know, maybe we can get you and your other guitars together, you know, and we could do this again and talk about the new album. Absolutely. I'd love to. Sounds great. All right. I thank you so much for your time. Good luck on the shows that you got coming up in, in the studio. And I'll talk to you later, Dallas. Yes, sir. Thanks so much. Appreciate yep. you. Yep. Take care, man. You too. Well, I hope you uh, like that conversation with Dallas Dwight from LA Maybe. Do yourself a favor, follow them on social media, find out where they're playing at and go and see them live and make sure that you're listening to their music on a regular basis because they need to be on your playlist for sure. And that I want to thank Dallas for participating in Guitar Talk. It was a pleasure talking with him. I had a great conversation. So until next time, don't forget to follow me on social media, and I will see you right back here on Guitar Talk next week. Have a good week.